Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. Well, what's going on? This is M.A. Dozer with Nimrod Outdoors, and we have another great podcast for you today. Uh, I am really excited. I'm being joined by my wife, Chelsea. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, how to instill thankfulness in our home. Uh, with Thanksgiving coming up, we just th- feel like it's very timely. Uh, I also feel like in our uh, culture today and in our society today, we we lack the ability to have thankfulness in all situations. Uh, but Chelsea, say hello. Hey there, I'm excited to join in today. Uh, let's start off with a little scripture, um, talking about thankfulness and thankfulness in our home. Um, you know, 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 says this. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances for the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Uh, so that, there's an example right there in 1 Thessalonians where the scripture says, Give thanks in all circumstances. And then also in uh, Philippians 4, verses 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything and prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And so one thing we want to acknowledge is that as uh, believers in Christ, it is vitally important that we have a thankful heart and we have a posture of thankfulness in our day-to-day life, uh, not just with uh, living out our life before Jesus, but we want to be thankful of our, our spouse. Uh, we want to be thankful of our kids, and we want to instill thankfulness into our kids' hearts as well. And so we, we're going to talk about what that looks like, um, some examples of, of how that works, and we'll talk about details um, in our own life, mine and Chelsea's life as parents and as, as husband and wife. And uh, hopefully you'll get something out of this uh, that you could take on with you as you prepare for Thanksgiving yourself. So Chelsea, uh, do the first point. What, what are we talking about here? Yeah, so um, I think when it comes to our kids especially, one of the first things that we have to do is set an example. Um, if we are not showing a thankful heart, then we can't expect them to show a thankful heart. Um, and I know like personally, there's mornings I wake up and I'm like, you know, God, I'm so thankful for this day. I'm so excited for this day. The sun is shining. Um and, and I just start off on this positive note, but there's also days where I wake up and uh, especially before the time change, when my alarm's going off and it's dark outside, I'm like, I wanna stay in the bed. Um, or a kid wakes me up before my alarm goes off and I'm, I'm kind of bitter. And so when I start off my day without a thankful heart, um, I feel like it can reflect, that attitude reflects on my kids. And, um, and that's not a good thing. There's no rhyme or reason for it. It's more of, I'm just being selfish, like I wanna stay in a warm bed um, or whatever. So I think setting uh, an example is huge, especially for wanting our kids to be thankful um, children or adults. Yeah, I mean, I I know for me, I'm routine driven. So if I get out of my routine, I I get flustered. Um, I'm ADD as it is. Uh, Chelsea, you know that, you you 
try and keep me in line as much as I can. But I have come to lots find of <laughs> lots of prayer. <laughs> lots of prayer. I've come to find that in my own life, uh, if I have a routine, so I, I get up, I take a shower, um, I put the dishes up for the day, I cook breakfast, um, I do a devotion, uh, I grab my keys, I go out, I get to work, I'm at work about within the five minute span every day at work at the same time. Um, it just helps me with a routine. And when I get out of that routine, I get flustered. And I know in, in our marriage, um, and especially, you know, guys, when you've got kids, routine is is a luxury. Um, and so for me, expectations of this is how my day is going to go and this is what it looks like. And then when uh, the inevitable happens and a kid comes in and, and throws a monkey wrench in it uh, and you're late to something uh, or, you know, you don't have <clears throat> have it go exactly like you want, my natural bend is to get flustered. I get very uh very authoritative and I'm like, Hey, let's go. Let's do this. Um, I, I lose all sense of grace, uh, and compassion, uh, because I'm trying to accomplish a goal. And that's not, that's not being thankful for the situation I have and, and taking time to actually instill thankfulness in my kids' hearts. And if I don't take time to actually show them what thankfulness looks like, like you were talking about Chelsea, how do we model that for our kids? Um, if we don't take time to, model that for them and all they see is daddy when when things get bad uh, or get frustrating uh, they just see him getting you know very uh, snappy and very aggressive and very goal driven um, that's who they're going to grow up to be and they're not going to be very compassionate in situations and have a thankful heart for just the day that has been given to them uh, kind of like what you said like you wake up like we need to be thankful right off the get-go because uh, in reality, let, let's talk about what we deserve as human beings. Um, as a human being, we deserve nothing. Uh, utter, we actually deserve hell. I mean, that, that's, that's to the core of our faith is Jesus died on the cross to take the sins away from us, that it was a debt that we are supposed to owe. So if we wake up breathing, we need to be thankful because uh, Jesus paid the price for us. And that day is an opportunity to show his glory to the world. And so we, we, we tend, especially in America, I think we tend to get a um, sense of entitlement, um, which squelches all thankfulness in our heart. Um, and so how, how we go about engaging day-to-day -day life with the community around us and our kids really builds up who they are. Um, and they see how we interact. And so I, I want to instill thankfulness in them. Um, and that takes a lot of intentionality and a lot of looking at the situation and being in the moment so that I can make sure I'm doing that. Yeah. And our attitudes are definitely contagious. So the moment we have a negative attitude and we are bitter or grouchy or grumbly, um, our kids are going to it's going to pass on to our kids or pass on to our spouse. I mean, there's been times where it's been a rough day at home and you know, you walk in after a long day of work and I'm, my first thing is like, I'm get your shoes off or, um, you know, like why, why am I having to clean your dishes today? And, um, I mean, we've all been there where we just, that bitterness builds up and it comes out on our spouse or those that uh, are in the home, especially because, um, I mean, how, how often have you had an argument in the car and you pull up to church and then you slap the smile on your face and nobody knows that any of that's been going on? Like, we've all been there before. Um, so it's, it's taking that time to identify um, where your heart stands, identifying that bitterness, and being able to stop and, um, and reflect on that and 
turn that into thankfulness because really like those reasons were bitter are usually like you mentioned like a lack of expectations um, or unmet expectations and really like that's that's an us issue um, there are so many other things that we have to be thankful for and that kind of goes into the next topic which is perspective um, and like you said, like here in America, we're entitled. We have so much that we expect to constantly get. And um, you and I have both spent time in other countries. Um, myself, I've been to Ethiopia, uh, Kenya, and Uganda. You, you and I both led a trip to Ethiopia, um, and we witnessed some pretty incredible things there that just blew our minds and brought us perspective of um, to the point where I was in the slums, um, Mathari slums in Kenya, and I saw a baby, like probably 10, 10 months old or so, just sitting in sewage and chewing on whatever she had right there in the sewage. Um, there was no parent around, like it was just her all by herself. And it took everything in my power to not just scoop her up and wanna you know, bring her home with me. Um, but I, I couldn't do that, of course. Um, but that perspective of like, my kids, they have everything compared to what that little girl was growing up in. So I think you bring up a great point, like as far as perspective um, and what we in America have, and it has given us a sense of entitlement. And really the question that I mull over in my head all the time is, you know, is God good? And my assumption of God being good really lays on the expectations I have of what God's provided for me up until this point. Um, but is that a societal expectation or is that actually the goodness of God? And what I mean by that is, you know, you talk about this 10 month old sitting in sewage, um, you know, is God good in her life? Uh, God is God and we're not God and he is in control of everything. You know, in Ethiopia, we went to a, uh, a girl's orphanage mm -hmm. and there was a young lady there. She was probably uh, just a little bit over maybe 13 or a little older. Um, and she was speaking to us about how she was so blessed and so honored uh, that God would rescue her out of what she was rescued out of. But she told us the story of her and her sisters sleeping on the side of the road. And it was basically the ditch or the gutter of the road. Uh, they were sleeping underneath a tarp. Uh, so all the rain that came like just washed up underneath their tarp. Um, and in, in Ethiopia, you know, people just use the bathroom on the sides of the road. And so all that trash and nastiness was washing down underneath their tarp. And she's sitting there praising God for the provision of the tarp. Uh, and I, I have to sit there and I have to ask myself, I'm like, can I say God's good if I'm in that situation? Um, and so is God good to them in their perspective? Yes. And so is, is it different? Like, do I expect more of God in his provision? Like, do I expect a house? Do I ex expect the AC or the heat to work? Do I expect to have a really nice meal every day? Um, are those expectations societal or are those expectations actually the goodness of God? And when it comes down to perspective, that girl had a much greater perspective of the goodness of God than I ever could have mm -hmm. because I'm handicapped with my expectations of this is the status quo that God's supposed to be good to me at. And if he doesn't meet that status quo, then does he quit being good? And the answer to that is no, absolutely not. Yeah. God is good. He loves everybody. He went to the cross for everybody. That includes white, black, uh, Asian. That includes everybody in the world. And so if a girl in Ethiopia that was homeless underneath a tarp living in basically a, a sewage trough 
can tell me that God is good in her life, and I look at that circumstance and say that I could not say that, is my perspective wrong? And I, I think I would have to say, yeah, my perspective is wrong. Like, yeah. am I relying on God or am I relying on the excess in which he has given us here in America? And if I'm relying on the excess, then I'm not tethered to God. I'm, I'm tethered to a, a quote unquote blessing of society. And it's hard because, you know, our children are young. We have one due very soon. Um, we have a three and a half year old and an almost six year old. Um, and so we can't quite give them that perspective because one, they wouldn't really have comprehension of that. Um, and then two, I'm not sure I'd want to shatter their worlds with that kind of perspective at this point, but um, it's still, we still need to be able to provide perspective for them. And we can do that within our own communities. Um, and we can do that through getting them involved. Um, there is one day we were shopping at Aldi and it was, you know, me and the two kids and we're shopping and they try to help as much as they can. Um, and so we got done with the whole adventure of the Aldi trip and we're checking out. And this little girl that we kept running into throughout the aisles comes running up with this bouquet of flowers and hands it to our daughter. And our daughter was just ecstatic. She's like, oh, thank you so much. And, you know, I'm like, okay, like, this is great. This little girl's giving us flowers, but we're about to steal them. So <laughs> I tracked down the mom and um, I'm like, Ridgely, this is so sweet of her. Let's tell her thank you. Um, let me go ahead and have them and give them back to the mom. And Ridgely was like, oh, okay. And so I walk up to the mom to hand them back and she goes, no, 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 these are your flowers. And I was kind of shocked for a minute. And I was like, what do you mean? And she goes, every time we shop at Aldi, every week when we shop at Aldi, we give a bouquet of flowers to somebody, we purchase them. She goes, so we've, we've bought them and they're yours. And, um, I could just feel the tears like welling up in my eyes and I'm like, wow, thank you. And I'm not even a huge flower person, but just the thought and the thankfulness, I was like, this is, this is awesome. And so I took them back to Ridgely and it really brought up some really great conversations because I was like, look, you know, she, she was kind of confused. Like, why did they give us flowers? I don't even know them. And it's like, because they have a thankful heart and we were able to discuss what that looks like and um, and just a giving heart and how they just love life and wanted to give and, and share joy with other people. Um, and then how we can be thankful for that, but at the same time, we can also uh, pass that along and, and do good deeds for other people. And, and that might not look like giving flowers every time we go shopping, um, but, having those conversations and figuring out, you know, what does your heart long for? Like, how do you want to give to other people? And it could be as simple as holding the door open for somebody or just going up and giving a hug to someone who looks like they need a hug. Um, and, you know, sharing that, that love that we are called to share um, instead of just holding it within us and allowing them to get involved. Um, and, and changing their perspective on what it looks like to be thankful and to have a grateful heart. Yeah, it's the more, uh, you know, the Bible says it's better to give than receive. And so part of building a thankful heart um, is if we could get in this mindset of looking beyond ourselves and looking into our communities and looking at who we can impact by giving, uh, that gives us a huge thankful heart because we become thankful for the blessings that God has bestowed on us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's like it says in First Thessalonians chapter 5, what I read, it, you know, it says, um, <clears throat> give thanks in all circumstances. Well, here's the thing. It's easy to give thanks when things are going good. But can we give thanks? Can we have that give 
thankful heart in the bottom, you know, in the valley. Uh, you know, and I've heard you say, Chelsea, one time, I don't know if you read this in a book or someone told you, but like in America, we think like life, especially with Christ, is this mountaintop experience. Yes. Um, go talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, it was a devotion that a friend on Facebook had shared. And I remember reading it and it just stuck with me. Um, because I've, it, it was, I was convicted, like I have been there and, um, in the Western world, like we just, we feel like we're supposed to be on the mountaintop. We're supposed to always be on the mountaintop, having these mountaintop experiences. And then, you know, we fall off and we end up in the Valley and those are just dark times. And then eventually we'll get put back up on the, on the mountaintop, but there is nothing scriptural about that. Actually, God says the opposite, like there's sin in the world. <laughs> we are distant from him. And being distant from him means we are living in the valley. Like we are always in the valley. But God sometimes blesses us with those mountaintop experiences. Um, and we need to identify that and not have the expectation to always be on the mountain, but have the expectation that, look, we live in a cruel, dark world and God sends us blessings and we need to rejoice in those blessings. Yeah, I think... Um in my own life, you know, grow, I grew up my entire life in church and unfortunately just uh, growing up in church and it kind of being more of a, a religiosity thing or a traditional thing, um, you know, you don't dive in deeper and discover more about God's word. But I, I know, and this is probably true with y'all that are listening, I, uh, I know it was true in my life, but um, I began to realize later in life that um a blessing from God was becoming an idol in my life. Like I, I would do it as in like, well, if I do these things for God, he's going to bless me. Um, and in reality, uh, that is, that means that that blessing becomes an idol above God. I'm just doing this so that God will bless me. And that's not, that's not how our relationship with God is supposed to be. We're supposed right. to be thankful in all circumstances and we're supposed to, uh, live out and, and proclaim his glory in all circumstances. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we've had friends that have gone through just absolute tragic events. Um, and somehow, some way, uh, they are shining the light of Jesus. And I have to ask myself, could I, could I do that? Um, and if the answer is no, then do I, am I truly living with a thankful heart of what Jesus did for me on the cross. And, and Paul's the best example of that. I mean, look at everything that he went through, prison and, and torture, and yet he, almost every single book that he wrote, even from prison, um, or letter that he wrote was full of gratitude and thankfulness. Like, he's sitting there praising God in, in some of the darkest places he could possibly be. And so how, you know, like, that's the example we're supposed to live, yet we find ourselves grumbling over having cold coffee or the, <laughs> the power being out or the hot water getting used up or whatever. Like we are a grumbly society and we need to pause and think about how that actually does not show Christ in our hearts. Well, and I think too, like, you know, earlier you had said like a lot of it, a lot of unthankfulness comes from unmet expectations mm -hmm. and we need to break those, uh, pillars in our life that we've built up these expectations. Um, you know, in, in our marriage early on, you and I both had expectations uh, that were preconceived notions of what we had seen in our parents' lives. Yeah. Um, and we just felt like, oh, well, this is how marriage is supposed to be. And it, it was a rough year and a half, two years of us trying to figure out, okay, well, we've had these expectations and we had never discussed them. And so they were just like, 
well, he should know this because his family's or his parents are married, um, and that he saw them go together. But every marriage is different, and and so for us, we had to break those expectations, and and really, uh, still to this day, a lot of the quarrels you and I get into um, is either an unmet expectation or it is we feel underappreciated about something. When you look at it, it's usually a me issue. You know, like it's yeah. not a you issue; it's a me issue that I am also communication like I'm not communicating mm-hmm. with you and so it allows that bitterness to stir up yeah. let, let me just preface this when she says it's a me issue that's in quotes she's not taking all the blame <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> I would be a bad husband Sorry. if I just let her do that me finger quote me issue yeah finger quotes. like like look inside <laughs> yourself like like if if I'm feeling underappreciated or my expectations are not being met, I need to look inside myself and say, okay, is this, is this really something that is, uh, that you're at fault of that I'm at fault of, or they're at fault of. Um, and you know, I think 90% of the time it comes down to its, its own personal expectations in our own life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you clean the house and I come in with dirty shoes. Like you feel underappreciated. Should I take my shoes off? Absolutely. But how you respond to that, um, is dictated directly on uh, your expectations of what should be done when you get done cleaning the house. Same thing with me. You know, I there's things I, I provide for the family. I'm out working all day long, and I come home, and, you know, when, you know, there's something undone or something should have been done, I get a little flustered, and, and I have to look at it and say, or especially, you know, when I come home and the kids are running ragged and jumping on the furniture, and I'm like, I... I worked hard for that furniture, you know, and they're, they're just jumping off the walls. And instead of me getting compassionate with them and loving on them and just having an honest conversation with them, my natural bend is just to snap and be like, y'all get outside or, you know, y'all getting a whooping or whatever. And that's a me issue. You know, the kids, they're, they're, they're almost six and three. Uh, they're just having a good time and I don't want to squelch their happiness. Mm-hmm. But in reality, a lot of times I, that's what I do. Um, yeah, I and it's a me issue. And I think instilling that in our kids is, is huge, but we have to do it with patience. Um, it's, it's similar to you working, you know, your butt off all day and coming home. Um, same thing, like I'm homeschooling, I'm here with the kids all day and I'm cooking three meals a day. We try really hard to be healthy and to eat well. And um, I'll cook a meal for dinner and our three-year-old especially, like, you know, 50% of the time he's making noises at it or refuses to eat it or whatever. Um, and we've had to use bribery, bribery with dessert to finally get him to eat. But half the time, like everybody else is done before he'll even start. Um, and he just sees like, you know, one, one day it's something he likes and the next day it's something he doesn't. Um, but for me like that, that's frustrating. It hurts my feelings because I just worked really hard to cook this meal and I want him to be healthy and I'm trying to provide that for him. And yet he's going to complain at it. And it's like, okay, but I had to stop and I have to stop and have to realize he's, he's three. And ever since he has existed in this world, I have provided for him. He has never had to once cook a meal. Like it's, it's there for him. It's been provided. And so in my mind, it's like, he should be thankful for that, but he has no other perspective. He has no other mindset. Like that's all he knows. Um, and so we have to kind of pause and be patient um, and then have those conversations with our kids or begin to give them responsibilities so that they can gain that perspective of, you know what, it does take work to make a meal. Like 
I, granted, he's three. I'm not going to make him cook dinner, but he can start making his own peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something, you know, at lunchtime. Or and and when he does that, we need to be okay with the mess. With the that mess, <laughs> right? Like there needs to be expectations that we are going to have peanut butter and jelly all over, and the ratio of peanut butter to jelly is probably going to be way out of proportion. But um, and he may dip it in ranch. He does dip it in ranch. <laughs> um, but we are, as parents, we are instilling that. We are instilling. Like the, it takes work to be able to get X, Y, and Z. And so, you know, if I can't get frustrated at him because I prepared a meal and it wasn't his favorite thing in the world, when that's all he knows, that's all he knows is I, I provide for him. So basically parents, if you're listening to this, what it comes down to is, uh, how we display a thankful heart in our own lives dictates way more about how our kids will have a thankful heart than just sitting there telling them, mm-hmm. hey, you need to be thankful for this. You know, uh, I know I grew up and you grew up. It's like a classic parent line of like, here's kids in other countries don't have no food or they don't have shoes or they don't no, have I've this. <laughs> and, but the reality our six-year-old is now says it. our six-year-old now says it. So that shows that we probably say it way too much. <laughs> well, that is the truth. The problem is, is like you're just saying, like our kids have no reality of that. They have no comprehension of that. And so for us to expect them to understand that Mm -hmm. um, is is absolutely ridiculous, even though we want them to and we expect them somehow magically to know that there's somebody in a different country and what's a different country. uh, And that kid doesn't have the same opportunities or blessings that they have. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we need to find a better way of than just yelling at them. Uh, to tell them, hey, God is God has gifted us immensely, and we need to be thankful for that. Um, and how does that thankfulness pour out into sharing who He is and His glory to the world? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, just to kind of recap on all of it, like we need to be able to provide perspective. And for us, it looks different because our kids are young. Um, with older kids, I mean, I am excited. I love missions, local missions over the seas missions. Um, but I get excited about the idea of taking our, our one day 15 year old overseas and just getting to experience other cultures, other people. Um, and, and just like how they have nothing yet, how they worship God with everything. Um, it just, it's, it's amazing to see others do things like that. So, so perspective, but then also we have to show, we have to walk the walk. Um, and if we can't walk the walk, we can't expect our own children to walk the walk. Um, and not even that, but also just having conversations. And uh, and that can be done with any age. And even with your spouse, like if you're struggling with something, like you have to communicate that with your spouse so that you can show the gratitude and, and thankfulness that um, they deserve. Or if you f- feel like you're not getting the gratitude that you deserve. Like you have to communicate that and instead of allowing it to stir up and build up within. Yeah. I think, you know, having conversations is huge. Um, I, I know you and I talk about all the time, like, uh, we let up, we let our emotions fester. Um, and then it, then it just kind of all dumps out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, on both sides of the marriage, <clears throat> it's kind of like, well, why is this the first time I'm hearing about this? And I think a lot of times it's a pride. We, we, we don't want to acknowledge that we're feeling the ways we're feeling. Uh, but 
the sooner we can squash things or the sooner we could come out and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. And as a married couple, we can handle it together. Um, we're so much more healthier in that way. Um, so being able to have a marriage where we have a healthy dialogue that is open, that the moment something starts going sideways, even if it's an irrational feeling, being able to express it so the other one can can acknowledge where you're at and what you're feeling. Um, and so if we could do that as a husband and wife, uh, we need to also open that up to our kids. Um, mm -hmm. I know I'm the world's worst that like, I hate whining. It, it irks me to, to the end. And so when my kid, kids start whining, I'm, I'm just like, shut up. Like, I don't want to hear it. Um, and you're, you don't actually say that to our children. <laughs> no, but I, I'm pretty close. Um, but you, you're the one that always pushes into me and it's like, Hey, they, they have an emotion and they may not be able to know how to express it except through whining. And so maybe instead of just, you know, getting onto them, let's ask questions. And, and I need to get so much better at that, but you, you push that into me and it's the same thing in our marriage and what we're talking about. Like we need to have an open dialogue of where we are and how we're feeling about things. Um, and it needs to be able so that we can help each other out. We, mm -hmm. we are a family unit. Um, and that's how we instill thankfulness. If, if we know that, if I know that I have a spouse that takes the time to listen to me, even if I'm being irrational with an emotion, um, that allows me to be thankful for them. Yeah. Uh, the same thing with our kids. If they know they have parents that will allow, will listen to them, even if they're ir irrational, um, they, they become thankful for their parents. Uh, and that, that starts instilling thankfulness in their heart. And so have, being able to have have conversations is huge yeah, and all that. I think the last thing that like really we would need to say is, is just praying for a thankful heart. Um, I know like you pray every evening over our children and, um, and our kids, we put them on the spot to pray over meals and, um, and there's times too, like we'll stop and praise God. Like if we, if something incredible happens, like I can't tell you how many times Ridgely and I have just stopped and just literally take three sentences just to thank God for what just happened. Um, and Matthias is, is usually there, but <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's still in training for, yeah. for understanding praise, um, and worship, but, um, but, but just taking time to pray, not only praise, but also to pray for our own hearts and that God instills that thankfulness in our own hearts, um, in, in all that, circumstances, in all circumstances. And yeah. And again, just brings in that perspective of, you know what, like all I need to look forward to is heaven and eternity. And, um, as long as Jesus is in my heart, like that's what's promised. And he doesn't promise anything else down here. He doesn't promise great things, good things. He doesn't promise houses and um, anything. Like he, he promises eternity. Yeah. Well, and he even told the disciples, he said, he said, hey, I'm going to send you out. But, you know, you're going to have trials and tribulations. You're going you're gonna to suffer for, the, for my namesake. Mm -hmm. um, and so if, if we look at the book of Acts and we look at the life of the disciples after Jesus left, none of them, it didn't get easier for them. It didn't get better for them. They weren't blessed beyond measure as we consider blessings in uh, the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it got harder. They, they all got martyred because of their faith. Um, and, but that's where Jesus told them. He said, you will have trials and you'll have tribulations, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Yeah. And so, Chelsea, you nailed it as far as what I have to look forward to 
if I've given my life to Christ, it's heaven. And anything in between that, my job is to go there for and make disciples and to present Jesus to everybody I come in contact with. Maybe that's just giving them a smile or a hug. Uh, maybe that's actually sitting down with them and having a conversation. Um, maybe that's even just opening the door for somebody. That's showing the love of Christ. But um, in all circumstances, we are to be thankful. And if we can really have the mindset of, say, what do I deserve? And understand that I deserve nothing except for eternal separation from Christ. Mm-hmm. And then being thankful that Jesus died on the cross for me. He, he mm-hmm. chose to go to the cross for me and for you. Um, and that's the source of our thankfulness. Anything else we come across in this, in this life, um, we know that our eternal resting place is secure. Um, and so therefore, we can be thankful for that. And that's something we can look forward to, like you said, yeah. uh, just looking forward to heaven. So... Um, yeah. Chelsea, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, it was fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, guys, we hope you uh, enjoyed this. And we hope you uh, learned something. And I, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving, uh, spending time with family. Um, I know the past 18 months uh, has been tough with Corona. Um, and maybe you're not able to get, get together uh, with family this year either. But know that uh, God wants so much more for us. And if we can have a thankful heart, we can shine his light into the world uh, and make a difference for him. And so y'all, I pray y'all have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we are excited. Uh, it's deer season, so we're going to be getting in the deer stand and in the deer woods as a family. Um, and we, we hope to uh, uh, come back and get ready for Christmas and celebrate Jesus' birthday. Um, but thank y'all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day and we hope to see you next time.